Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the third ever public episode of the Q Zero Theater Cast. I am your host, Artistic Director Dan Pelletier, uh, here today actually with three guests in our first more conversational roundtable episode of the Theater Cast. Woo! Uh, to my thanks, <laughs> love. To my left, uh, I have Tom Lott. What's up? Directly across from me is Marjorie Boyer, resident artist. Hello. And to my right. Uh, we have new to the podcast, uh, longtime Q Zero actor, uh, Brain Trust member, Brainer in of Dan's wild ideas. Yes, and uh, the Seacoast's favorite accountant, Jacob Randlett. Jake. Hey there, QTs. Is that okay for uh, yeah. Dan? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. We'll, mull, we'll yeah. mull it over. Cut that. No. Um, <laughs> rather than me interviewing somebody, we're just going to kind of pick a theater topic and discuss it just for a little bit, just so we can have something a little bit more casual. We actually just got out of our final rehearsal for the first ever Q Zero Gorilla Shakespeare, which, as you all should know, and if you don't, let me remind you, is a Midsummer Night's Dream coming up at the Bookery in, on Elm Street in Manchester, New Hampshire. That's 844 Elm Street. It's uh, right by Portland Pie and Queen City Cupcakes, across from the Thirsty Moose, right by Cat Alley, which is my favorite Pokemon Go gym, um, all these wonderful landmarks. So, uh, Friday night, promptly at 7 o'clock, we will be starting. It'll be a lot of fun. Come see nine actors play all 27 roles, uh, plus some audience interaction and some other goofy, wacky madness. It's going to be a lot of fun. Anybody else, uh, just uh, why should everybody come see Gorilla Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream? Well, all four of us are in it, so if you love hearing our voices and you would love to hear more of that, then come to the bookery. And if you don't like our four voices, there are five others that you can listen to as well. Yeah, or you can ignore us all, but still be there. It's fine. Yeah, just come to the bookery. Buy Fill th- our numbers. Yeah, Please. come to the bookery, buy things, so we can say it did well, and then we can bring this to other restaurants in Manchester. They um, have alcohol. Yeah, and, and they have fresh homemade donuts. Oh with, my god, the donuts with the so dips. Good. With the dips. Uh, they have like maple bacon dip that they make in-house for the donuts. There was like a, a spiced hot chocolate. Oh, I live for the dips. And just so you know, they're not even a financial sponsor of us. We're just plugging them because we love their products. I love their donuts. Yeah, so check out, not, even when we're not there, check out the bookery. If you would like to uh, sponsor the theater cast or Q0 uh, season, uh, please give a contact to Dan Pelletier, Artistic Director. Yeah. Or see, just give us donuts. Yeah, cctheater at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of us. Um, speaking of giving us sponsors, we have sold another Playbill ad, everybody. Woo! We'd like to thank uh, JRR Productions and Jim Rowe. My best friend, Jim Rowe. Our I will, best friend. I will friends. fight you. I do not know Jim. Jim's great. You're going to love you. Jim. Uh, thank you so much, Jim, for your support. You will see Jim's ad in all of our playbills this season. Uh, full page. It's going to be great. Um, Also, uh, before we dive into our topic of this podcast, we also just want to mention that we've got on the 25th of January at the Jupiter Hall, we are doing a night of original one acts, uh, also staged readings, of uh, two plays that Marjorie has written that have been featured on our new works blog, Promises and The End of the World. Yeah, get excited. I'm going to be reading in them, actually. Um, So get excited for me to straddle probably Jake. Yeah, probably. probably, probably. I am I am not read either of these shows. They might not even <laughs> exist. I'm, I don't know if the scripts are even written. Hey, I'm at the, the end of the world is a is a uh, 
John C. Edwards' undergraduate prize plays winning prize play. The, yeah, the, the, the cold read psychic? I am not, no, I'm not no, aware of No, the former says. UNH uh, THDA department head. Ah, I not, see. Not, and not the presidential candidate either. You um, uncultured swine. Yeah, dear, went, dear listeners, I do understand the reference they're making. I'm making what's called a joke. Uh, this thing called humor. We can talk about it on the next episode. Yeah, we'll do a whole episode dedicated to humor and how Jake doesn't understand it. So actually today, just to kind of give you a little bit more into the psyche of uh, the Q0 Brain Trust, I've asked everybody to uh, prepare for us just to kind of talk about their favorite show and why it's their favorite show and what they believe is important to a good piece of theater. And then we are going to also debut Marjorie's special series, which is Bad Broadway Fan Fiction. Um, We're very excited for that. Marjorie's got a couple of plays that she's going to read for us that uh, the three of us have not heard yet, so we will get to experience them for the first time. They're going to be reacting in real time. Yeah, uh, get excited. And all that clanking you hear around is the wonderful heating system and ghosts that haunt uh, Kriva Academy, which is where we rehearse and we'll be performing two of our main stage productions uh, this year. So, you know, when you come see the shows, just be ready for uh, the radiator to also have some lines. Uh, it's cool. It keeps us warm. It's nice and toasty versus the brisk, like, 20 degrees it is outside right now. Our water bottles from after rehearsal, because we were running around in the gym here, um, and our water bottles were in Dan's car, so he went out to get them, and they're all frozen yeah, solid. Should've... So we're trying to warm them up by the heater, so that's what the clanking is. So producing tip of the week, bring your water bottles inside before rehearsal. So let's move on to our topic of the day. Does anyone want to volunteer to go first, uh, talk about their favorite show? Everyone loves talking about themselves and talking about things they like. Uh, I'm going to throw it to Jake. Jake, you're the, the the new guy in the batting order. Jake, what's your favorite show and why? And yeah, why Jake, it? we're going to haze yeah, you. Jake. Put you on the spot. Yeah. All right, so uh, I'm going to go the musical route because mm-hmm. that's that was my main introduction into theater outside of the vague concept of Shakespeare as a child. I'm just like, oh, people say lines on a stage. Like a movie, but in front of me. Movies so, are also in front of you. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, so, so my favorite show, uh, Sunday in the Park with George, the Stephen Sondheim, uh, James Lapine musical. I've never seen a show just peak so high in this perfect, beautiful emotion. And maybe this is maybe this is a very niche. Uh, worldview and set of emotions that maybe doesn't translate to every theater goer but the plight of the artist or pretty much anyone who wishes to create Mm. in any way and um, feeling importance in their work and you know such aspects as you know your your work ethic and what that might cost you in your in your personal life, or uh, just in your person, in your personal view of yourself, particularly Act One is a perfect continuous piece of theater, um, <laughs> and I, I I might be one of the few, but I even like the top of Act Two with the chroma loom for those <laughs> who have seen the show. Uh, the, it's a very weird portion, yeah. but I even like that. And then Act Two ends as strong as Act One ever did, and it is a piece that, on tape, on video, in person, uh, will never not make me shed a tear at some point, uh, depending on what I'm feeling that day. Any given song or moment can can really 
pinch a nerve in the best way possible. Mm. It's definitely a powerful piece of theater. Thanks for opening so depressing, Jake. Uh, <laughs> I think everybody at this table right now is a big fan of Stephen Sondheim's work. I know he's definitely my favorite composer. I actually, in high school, wrote my junior thesis, uh, which was entitled Stephen Sondheim's Effect on American Pop Culture, because I was a dork. <laughs> but, you know, Sondheim definitely does love to tackle topics that you wouldn't necessarily think would work as a musical. Especially for somebody who refuses to call it musical theater, he always refers to it as musical comedy, and then proceeds to write these deeply profound shows that have such emotional impact and deep characters and layers upon layers. I truly would say he is the William Shakespeare of our time. And what was your first experience, Jake, with uh, Sunday in the Park? Did you see it in person? Did you watch it? I know that I, I had, you know, there's the DVD copy of the original cast with uh, Mandy Patinkin and um, Bernadette Peters. Bernadette yeah. Peters, yeah, Bernadette. So what brought um, Sunday in the Park into your life? Uh, I was fortunate enough that my very first a theatrical performance was my senior year of high school in Sweeney Todd as Anthony, which uh, still blows my mind that of all roles, that is what introduced me to the actual performing piece of musical theater. Listen to your voice. Why don't you think you're an Anthony? <laughs> what? Explain to me, Jake. Hey, it's high school. You gotta... Beggars can't be choosers. You gotta work with what you got. And I was I was a tenor at one point in my life. Uh, I wasn't. I, <laughs> we've been over. This. We've established on this podcast that I was born a baritone. Listen to last week's if you would like to hear us go into deeper, uh, deeper into that. All right, Jake. So uh, yeah, ta uh, you were Anthony and Sweeney Todd, and I was just fascinated by the complexity of what Sondheim wanted to write or. Maybe and and obviously it didn't feel forced complex. I he just wanted to make the music a little unpredictable and unconventional because life is not four four time and a single key. Um, so it led me to looking at shows like Company, and eventually made my way to a, you know a, a YouTube uh, black hole as I'm sure we've all been down mm. and next thing you know I'm listening uh, I'm watching the title number uh, Sunday with Mandy Patinkin and Bernadette Peters and my first time watching it I, I was a, a freshman in my dorm fortunately none of my, uh, of my in my uh, forced triple <laughs> uh, none of my roommates were there at the time and I listened to that song and a, I shed a tear and I'm like, what is this? Mm. And and then I got to watch the whole show uh, and was in love with it. And then finally got to see it professionally done at the Huntington Theater starring uh, Jenny Barber and Adam Chandler Barat. And Ooh. it was, yeah, Ooh. it was incredible. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It was incredible. You know, now that you mention it, Jake, I do remember, I think one of the first times I saw you perform was part of... Thursday evening theater thing at UNH <laughs> when you did your very bold and ambitious uh, medley of Sondheim songs. My uh, my Sondheim man crush. Yeah, and you asked John Burst to sight read Sondheim. Um, which... Never ask an audition accompanist to do that unless you are specifically auditioning for a Sondheim piece. And yeah. Uh, pianists hate that. John, I remember John handling it well, though. John is good at his job. Not everyone is John Burst. Not everyone is John Burst, that's for sure. Jake, final thoughts. Why should people seek out seeing Sunday in the Park with George? Because we've all had the 
the aspiration to create whatever field or walk of life we are in. We've always had the, the aspiration to create, and that is where it can touch anyone, uh, is that show and that message and just that gorgeous, gorgeous score that just is so moving and will stick with me the rest of my life. Thanks, Jake. Uh, uh, you know, some touching stories. Let's throw it across the table to Tom Lott. Tom, your favorite show. Not getting happier with this one. Uh, <laughs> Woo! Slightly happier. Uh, my favorite show is Godspell. All right. Um, so, beginning, super happy. Not so much. <laughs> what a yeah. pumpkin spice um, answer. Yeah. Whoa. All right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Personally attacked. I need to go. Mm. Um, no, so for me, it's... You know, the biblical story in my life has had the biggest impact, and so the... You okay there? <laughs> Marge just spilled water on herself, it's fine. I spilled uh, like a li- It's all ice! It was only a little water. That's when I regained my drinking problem. Dan, so, you don't that, drink. It's a line from Airplane. Maybe if you watched a movie every once in a while, you'd get these jokes. I would like to change my answer to Airplane. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... No takesies, backsies. I don't think Airplane's a musical... Yet. Yes. <laughs> okay, sorry, uh, right. Tom. Back to Godspell. Godspell. <laughs> yeah, so Spice. I think I, it's so much fun. Like, the ad-libbing and improv that you get to do with it is awesome. Um, there's so many jokes, and you never see the same production. Like, you never see it the same way <laughs> yeah. each time, uh, which I think is awesome. Um, and then just the, like, last 20 minutes, half hour, I'll just punch it just hits me in the feels every time. So I, I will say there's nothing that, that one of the most powerful things in theater is definitely a good production of Bad Spell. God, <laughs> a good <laughs> production of God Spell. There you go. But there, I think it's between God Spell and Noises Off that there's nothing worse than a the bad, bad production. Yeah, mm. like yeah, you know, no one wants to sit through a production of God Spell where the director doesn't understand subtext <clears throat> and no one wants to under sit through a production of Noises Off where the director doesn't understand physical comedy yeah. or you're in for a long act too. Mm-hmm. Um, you're in for a long show just in general. It's yeah, not like it's, it has anywhere to go. It doesn't get better, it just gets... Yeah. So Tom, painful. what was your introduction to God Spell? Uh, so the first time I saw God Spell was at the Palace Theater. Um, which, which time? <laughs> it seems they do it every uh, four years. Yeah, it was a while ago. It was probably was probably seven or eight when I saw it, I think. Okay. Um, so on the younger side, still newer to theater stuff. Um, and it was the first time I kind of saw like a, a big professional production of um, anything, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just... It hit me, and I cried, and it was great. So, have you had uh, an opportunity to work on the show? Uh, yeah, yes. I so I got to work at Jeans Playhouse, which was one of the first uh, shows that I did. Was Godspell? Um, I got to help build the set, and we built a playground, and it was a lot of fun building that because we would build something and just play on it the rest of the day. Nice. Um, so that was fun. I have not yet had a chance to act in it, and that is on my bucket list of stuff that I would love to do. Well, so. maybe someday when we've run out of shows I want to do, I'll let you pick a show, okay. and we can do Godspell. Um, I, I actually got to direct Godspell. It was our um, first big musical that I, we, when we reintroduced musical theater at Central High School. Um, and it was definitely a challenge directing, especially with the high schoolers, where I refuse um, to view my actors as puppets. So like I really try to like let them create. 
And I think at first, like, um, you know, high schoolers can be hesitant to want to improvise and create. But, you know, I did a lot of research into the original production and wanted to try to mimic how they kind of created things and give a lot of that clowning and uh, spolin improvising to create this unique experience. Uh, and it turned into, you know, quite a powerful piece. I think even whether you view it... Uh, religiously or just as a play about a community it's a great piece do you have a favorite interpretation like i know a lot of like people take this show many different directions mm -hmm. some work some don't if you were going to work on godspell what is tom's vision it's tough so i i was lucky enough to see the uh, broadway revival um back in 2011 2012 with corbin um, blue no before corbin blue oh. pre -Corbin ah. blue. so when it was still selling tickets it was hunter parish still selling tickets okay. oh, hunter parish. Um, okay. yeah it was he was a tv boy he probably had to leave anyways yeah, yeah. he went he did the following so yeah. he loves to do that um yeah no so i got to see that which was awesome um so i think if i were to do it now i would have to i would try and consciously steer away from what I've seen other people do, um, which I think would partly limit myself, but um, I haven't been in a situation yet where I've actually gotten to think about how I would want to do it. Okay. Um, so think it's definitely something that for the next podcast. For the next podcast, I want I will, you to pitch me your God spell. I will do that, and then since you know you want to do it with professionals, I do. We'll go from there. I do. Well, okay, maybe like Q zero through season three or four. Mm -hmm. Marjorie, I found it. Great. Yes. But before that, how would you do Godspell? How would I do Godspell? How would you do mm. Godspell? Ooh. Um. I'm giving you unlimited budget, the actors that you want. Do I have to, as we explained earlier, do I have to understand... Subtext? Su yeah. Yeah, it has to be a good production of Godspell. We can well, edit all of this house in movie. <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, if I'm just going for pure entertainment value... I would want to do like a My Little Pony Friendship is Magic Godspell. <laughs> um, I think that would appeal to a wide audience and would get some people out of basements who otherwise would not experience the joy of theater. Okay, so... I thought about how I would want to do it. God's Little Pony. God's Little Pony. <laughs> okay. Uh, Very different. Jake, do you have a Godspell interpretation that for me? That wasn't a real answer. I'm just looking up stories while we do this. So. Yeah, sure. I, I All have, my links went away. I have no thoughts on applying a concept to Godspell, but I would just like to say that my first and only experience with Godspell was about a year ago through Cast Aside Productions in Portland, Maine, where they styled the monologues after TED Talks, and it was absolutely excellent. Ooh, the I cast like was the band. It mm. was incredibly well done, and I am very fortunate uh, knowing that Godspell has a wide range of possibilities, um, that I was fortunate enough to catch a great production. If you want a good time, if you go on Steven uh, Schwartz's website, he actually has a message board where people ask him questions about their interpretation of Godspell, and he tries politely as possible <laughs> to tell them not to do what oh, they're thinking. Great. Yeah, it's, Steven, it's a good time. Steven, what if for my production of Godspell, there's no one actor playing Jesus, but we just pass a hat? That means that if you are holding it, then you're Jesus, because God is within all of us. And then Stephen Sondheim has to try to like Schwartz. very oh my god Stephen Schwartz has to very politely try to be like you're a dumbass. <laughs> uh, or um, Stephen, I know it kind of sets up the rest of the show, but uh, 
Tower of Babel wasn't in the movie, so could I cut it? Yeah, and then Steven Schwartz gets to go, um, I didn't like the movie version. Which, like, happens a lot with theater. That's going to be a fun That's podcast be a fun topic, podcast. is when we talk about movie musicals. Yeah. Because if I can say, if it's not animated, I really don't like movie musicals. You didn't like My Miss? I thought My no. Miss was... No! Save it for the episode. Okay, not Russell Crowe. Save it for the episode. Okay, Save it for the episode. Save it for the episode. Anne Hathaway was brilliant. Now okay. we can stop talking. All right, all right. Marjorie. Well, can agree with that. Marjorie. Your favorite show? I'm on a strike. I'm just gonna do my Broadway fan fiction. What's your favorite show? Nope. Oh, that's right. Marjorie doesn't have favorites. I feel <laughs> bad for all the other options. Yeah. Okay. Do I? All right. Well, right, okay. Daniel, yeah. what's your favorite show? Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> Shocker. I know. If you've met me, it's it's my favorite show. It's uh, I. Which find... Jake's actually gonna be playing the dentist at the Hat Box uh, in the summertime. Yeah. Everyone, come to the Hat Box uh, May 31st through June 16th. Uh, come see. Uh, dive-in productions uh, production of Little Shop of Horrors. Jake's gonna beat up yeah. a, a woman and then die. Yeah. Oh. Spoiler warning. Um, no, I had the good fortune when I was in high school. A friend was going to see a production. I believe it was the Dairyfield Repertory Theater's production of Little Shop, and I tagged along and I fell in love with this uh, show. I love the music, the characters. Um, morality plays like really speak to me you know it's a play that has something to say that is a timeless message you know don't make deals with the devil the there's so many levels like that's the moral of the story don't make deals with the devil it's a play you know that's what like, I think the devil would look like isn't your, isn't your interpretation of Satan a plant from a, another planet Tom and your god spell no. and your god spell is Satan yes how about we do Godspell, where all of the characters are from other musicals, and Judas is Audrey too? Ooh, that's right. very that's good, actually. I'm not opposed to that. I like that. That blows my little pony out Lis- of Listeners, I know Dan was kind of joking, but that actually sounds very yeah. good. Uh, please write in with your uh, dream casting from other casts. Yeah. But anyways, no, I don't know what it was. It's just, I love science fiction. Like, Ghostbusters is my favorite movie. I grew up Saturday morning cartoons, Power Rangers superheroes and just like it's a science fiction musical it's lots of fun it has this powerful ending where the good guys don't win you know everybody dies which you would think is terrifying actually fun fact growing up the thought of carnivorous plants terrifies me to this day i leave the room during the plant scene while we watch jumanji i cannot Um. watch it if I do, for the next week, I will think that plants are going to come out of my space heater and electrical sockets and eat me. Jumanji is very scary. Jumanji yeah. is scary. It's it's I was in Keen the other day, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is where the stampede was. I passed the pair of shoes mm-hmm. sign. Um, it's like whenever I watch Mary Poppins, I forget that Mary Poppins doesn't actually show up for like 45 minutes. And yeah. then I rewatch Jumanji, and I'm like, oh my god, this is terrifying. Yeah, there's... It, it was, I mean... He, the, Crappy monkey CGI aside, the rest of Juman- Jumanji. It's only crappy by today's standards. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, Little Shop of Horrors. I I love the characters. I can't listen to the somewhere re- that's green reprise without openly weeping. Um, I, I I I I'm jealous that Jake gets to play the dentist this summer. I've always wanted to play that part. I'd love to play any part in that show. I would do a one man Little Shop of Horrors if people would let me. They won't, as and that's probably for the best. Um, How but, would you do that? Listeners, please write in to ZZ. <laughs> uh, and let us know how you would like to do a, a one-man uh, Little Shop of Horrors or do Godspell as Jumanji. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've gotten way off track. But, uh, yeah. 
But it, no, it's just it's a it, it's a show that's fun, but also has a powerful message. The characters are very are so much more complex than you would give them. You think that they're just these cartoon characters, uh, but there's just so much depth. And from a directorial standpoint, uh, like I like the movie, but I have problems with it because they cut elements of the script that allowed the ending to not work. So when you try to put it back together, of course the ending doesn't make sense because they cut a lot of the subtext of Seymour's story arc. So then he doesn't have the level of like a Greek tragedy and every man play of where he's weighing his choices and you don't feel like he deserves to die in the end whereas in the stage version you do um you guys can't see him right now but his hands are going so much nuts. Hair. yeah i just my brain is screaming save it for the movie musicals yes. episode okay but anyway yeah. little shop of horrors morality play morality plays are my favorite thing i love shows that you know don't necessarily take a side but kind of have um that kind of thing and on that note, yeah. come see New Space. <laughs> yeah. March 1st. Speaking of nonpartisan pieces, yeah. uh, New Space coming to Kriva Academy, which we are currently recording at, in March. Yeah. So, as you can see, the Brain Trust Q0 has I a I can't wall. see anything. It's a podcast. As you can hear. Q, the Q0 as you can voice go lower <laughs> on I'm that. sorry. As you can what? As you can hear. I didn't, I didn't oh. hear you say anything at all. That was like the rumbles that only elephants <laughs> can hear. Like, when they make that, there's bees here, everybody leave, like, subsonic. Yeah, sure, whatever. As you now hear, the Brain Trust at Q0 has a very wide variety of tastes when it comes to shows. Uh, And we look forward to sharing this wide variety of tastes of shows with you over the coming years. Now, Marjorie, have you picked a favorite show for us, or are we going to dive right into bad Broadway fan fiction? We're diving right into bad Broadway fan fiction, so Great. I'm going to leave y'all on the edge of your seat. Without further ado, Marjorie, what have you got for us? All right, so I've got one, two, three, four today. Four? Okay. How long are they each? They're short. Okay, it, it's past my bedtime. Monday Night Raw is already half over. I want to get home. I'm going to try not to judge you. Wrestling is musical theater. Podcast topic for another day. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I hope someone's mm-hmm. keeping track, because I'm not. So I'm going to read these, um, and you're going to have... I'm going to not tell you what musical they're about to begin with, okay. and you guys can guess at okay. the end. I love or that. during. Um, All right. We'll dive right in. All right, here we go. Do I underscore these in post? If you could find some fun music, okay. I would not be opposed. All right. I think music makes them funnier when you look back them. All right. <clears throat> love. What is this evil fate, this spell which pierces my soul? Can I ever escape the devious feeling which haunts my day and night? I am surrounded by the music of the opera ghost, yet tempted by the kindness of a man. Which do I choose? How do I choose? Can I not have a man who holds the heart of both? I do not wish to suffer any longer. If there is a fate which can pull me from my troubled heart, let me take it now. Let me flee from my worries and spit on my doubts. Take me away from the torture, from the pain. Pull me out of this sand pit which I have fallen to. Lead me astray from this evil path. Don't make me choose. Isn't this just the opening to Love Never Dies? We're not done yet. (laughs) (laughs) We're not done yet. There goes my joke. (laughs) I got like four lines in and they all threw their arms up in their seat and were like, ah! Um, But I'm not done yet. I'll let you all drink your water bottles first. All right, carry on. Uh, Don't make me choose. My soul longs for music, but my heart desires love. 
Why must I choose? Why must love take over my heart and pull me towards both? Use your head, Christine. Drop your heart and allow yourself to choose for yourself. Yourself is twice there. That wasn't me reading it wrong. It is not the heart which controls the action of the body, but the mind. Give up this foolish act. You must decide which is the smart choice. But why does it hurt so much? My heart is too strong. Give in, Christine. Follow your heart and make the right choice. That was supposed to be a poem, by the way, but none of it was in meter or formatted <laughs> uh, like a poem. But the author said it was supposed to be a poem. Uh, I, ha I have a potential answer for what that is referring to. <laughs> Clearly, that is referring to the famous uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber work, The Woman in White. Yes. Nailed it. I, Absolutely. God. I, I already want to preface this, that if for some reason uh, you're listening to the show and we have picked something that you have written... You should be honored. And we're not sorry. <laughs> Please um, don't sue us. I don't own any of these works, nor do I own the musicals from which they are derived. Nor do... Thank you. I, I doubt we're reading anything that's been co copywritten. Yeah. Copyrights um, and trademarks are respected of holders. Yes. Um, there. Now no one can sue us. On to the next one. Yes, thank next. you. That's how things work, you know. Fair use, fair use, fair use. You just, All right. Please this don't one, sue me, Sam French. Uh, this one in particular is for Jake. Um, and I hope it will become apparent why as I get into it. So here we go. Nick Bottom had a conundrum on his hands, a rather messy conundrum in the form of another person. This person's name was Thisbe. <laughs> <laughs> or more correctly, this person's name was Francis Flute, the bellows mender. <laughs> Wait, did... No, internet, I, no. I have a question. Is this one labeled, like, erotic Broadway fanfiction, or...? We're gonna find out. Okay. No. <laughs> or, more correctly, this person's name was Francis Flute, the bellows mender, who was one of the company of players he was in. Jake, do you have any thoughts? None. Continue. All right. Flute was a very nice young man. He had a slim, slender build with thick, dark hair and a feminine face. He was quite soft of voice and he had lovely eyes, leading to him often being given the female roles in their plays. Ah, but Thisbe, she was beautiful. She had creamy skin and the widest eyes you ever did see, and she was soft of voice and gentle of touch. No lovelier a lady had ever walked the earth, and Nick Bottom was quite smitten by her. <laughs> And that's where his conundrum was. As both Bottom and Pyramus, he had fallen for Thisbe and her beauty, her innocence, but he knew that the script dictated that Thisbe loved Pyramus. But as Flute the Bellows Mender, well, Bottom could not love another man, a brother. And indeed he did not. His love was for the maiden Thisbe, and he had no passions toward this Athenian worker. In rehearsing, he would often find his eyes drawn to Thisbe, the way she carried herself, the way she spoke her words. Oh, if only they were hers, not the foolish scribblings of a bard, half drunk with madness. In observing her, he would miss his lines, calling his causing his colleagues great vexation with his so-called antics. But the passion he held for Thisbe burned deep, and there was nothing he could do to dissuade it. He tried not his hardest not to think of her as a woman. It is just flute wearing a dress, he would tell himself vehemently before every rehearsal. As ever, it had no effect. Bottom! Peter Quint shouted for what he felt surely had to be the final time. That is not your cue. That is Lion's cue. Yours is when Thisbe flees the stage. 
The small man stood in the center of the stage, hands braced firmly on his hips, fury creasing his brow. I don't know if fury could crease a brow as a side note. I, that's... Fury creasing his brow. Okay. Well, look at my face right now, and I think that's... (laughs) Fury is creasing his brow. It's getting better. Uh, (laughs) Quince was not usually an angry man, but Bottom was pushing him past the bounds of his considerable patience. Did the man have no wits? Bottom apologized profusely, his cheeks reddening with embarrassment. Could he not get it right, even once? Quince sighed and began the scene anew. Once more, Bottom was fascinated by Thisbe. She was so perfect, so wonderful, that he knew he would never call anything or anyone else beautiful ever again. And if he did, it would be in falsehood. How could a being so fair exist? He did not understand. His cue away off, he disappeared himself into a nearby thicket to await it. This is getting more Shakespearean the further I get into it. He disappeared himself into, yeah, in the how could a being so fair, just the cadence of it. Writer's note. Um, His cue away off, he disappeared himself into a nearby thicket to await it. He was standing there, wrapped up in his thoughts, when out of the corner of his eye he spied a man, dressed in the manner of the fairy folk, creeping upon him. He turned, ready to cry out, but the cry never reached his lips. The events of the next night were were as to bottom as a dream, half remembered. He recalled the lady, much fairer than Thisbe and the gentle words she had spoken to him. She had been beautiful, the most beautiful thing he had ever seen. He stood now by the stage awaiting his cue. Now he could see all the ways that Thisbe was imperfect. She was not graceful, nor fair, nor divine. She had cheeks that were far too red, and her hands were rough from work. She was too tall and her shoulders too broad for those of a lady. No, this was not the Lady Thisbe. This was just Francis Flute wearing a dress. Is, is that really how it is? That's how it is. That's, yeah, that's the end. So the moral of the story is, kids, say no to showmancing. It never ends well. Jake plays Thisbe in our upcoming production, so I read that whole thing while staring deeply into his face. Come see Midsummer Night's Dream. Uh, uh, <laughs> Shakespeare at the Bookery uh, this Friday, January 18th at 7 p.m. So I guess you guys knew what that one was from. Yeah, that, one uh, that was not yeah. hard. You got one more for us? I've got two more. Two! Okay. But um, this next one's really short. Okay. So I'll just go into it really fast. We're definitely already up against this being, I mean, it's our, only our third episode, so I won't say that. All right, are you Longest ready? episode. Yeah. Uh, let's, well, then shut up. Mm-hmm. After Heather Chandler's death, Heather McDonald's got <laughs> depressed and killed herself. She returned from the afterlife to kill herself again. Then, Heather McDonald's came back one more time to snatch Veronica sauce down to the afterlife with her. Oh, and also Martha Dank stuck died from dinners. Heather Duck was like, bye, and moved away where she got a boyfriend named Jocha Ua. They became prom king and queen when on stage Heather Duck said quack, then went numb and was pushed off the stage to her death by Joka Ua. Joka then became on Joka then went on to become the king of his robo-sized country, Duck. Was this was this a fan fiction or a drunken YouTube comment on a Heather bootleg? Who's, who's Heather McDonald? McDonald's, plural. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Heather Duke becomes Heather <laughs> Duck. Duck. What is this? I love this so much. I told you that was that was a real short one. Oh, um, wow. Short and sweet. Oh, wow. This last one is the fabled one. It was the one that we first found. Yes. Um, this is the one that we've been telling everybody about. Uh, titled Hamilton at Hogwarts. Don't spoil it. I'm just giving you the title. Relax. Mm-hmm. 
Three out of the four people knew what it was. <laughs> Alexander Hamilton was never destined to a perfect life. In fact, you could say he was destined to lead quite a difficult life. Alex was born in a small cottage in a small Scottish village to a small family. Hardly any family, in fact. His father was possibly a wizard, but no one really knew. And he had somewhat of a fling with a sweet muggle woman who was then abandoned by the man and left to fend for herself and the child. And although she loved her little boy, she knew that she could not take care of him. She was simply unable to provide for his obviously special needs. When they both felt terribly sick when Alex was nine, she made the decision to send him away from their small town in Scotland to London, where he would be better hidden and able to make his way as. Make his way as what? That sentence isn't done. Just make his way as. <laughs> I thought you were continuing with the story. No, there was a period there, so I paused. Oh, make his way as. Make his way as. I thought make his way as what was the question Hamilton was asking himself. No, it's it just it's make his way as, period, next paragraph. Okay, um, continue. With monetary support from her small village, she managed to research and contact people with special abilities who would be able to take him to London to live with a distant, distant cousin. Alexander kept a picture of his mother, and he remembered horrible coughing and high temperatures of their cottage. Maybe it was sort of Alexander. Uh, as soon as he got to London, his minor symptoms of sickness cleared, but his mother, wearied and tired even at her young age, was destined to die. Alone and lost, ten-year-old Alexander returned to the strange men who had brought him to London. Never a good idea when strange men are taking ten-year-old boys. That's like the shit you gotta jump in on. <laughs> that Wait, is we can curse on this? You can, that uh, is... Uh, we don't know. We don't know yet. We, we, uh, been... <laughs> that is, you gotta... You gotta... Alexander, run. Uh, however, they would not house him, not without payment. This is getting darker. He would either have to find a home willing to take him or go to an orphanage in London. But he did not and could not go to a house like that, crowded and cramped. He would either expose his magic or simply live a horrible life there. Or, like, maybe both? Probably yeah. both, right? Yeah. Probably both. Probably both. Expose his magic. Eight. Please, sir, may I have some more of London Which story are we doing? Yeah. He had to find his way to make his own living, and so the little boy worked. And Alexander slept in the loft of a beggar who took pity on him after seeing the little boy rushing back and forth. So this is Sweeney Todd now, for yeah. those of you keeping track. We're, we've gone into Oliver, and we're now in Sweeney Todd. We're just doing all the musicals that take place in London. Um, and this is actually as Godspell. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's CZ Theater at you. <laughs> um, there, he was allowed to bathe and wash up. Temporarily, life was satisfactory, if not good and generally pleasant for Alex. But the baker's wife was not satisfied with keeping Alex, he could tell, and weren't into the woods. Yep. Soon, he would be expected to pay rent, and if not, he'd be kicked out. And rent! rent. <laughs> Luckily, his Hogwarts letter came shortly after his 11th birthday. <laughs> How do they know? How Wait, we've definitely got like at least five more musicals that take place in London. We're getting more. Uh, confused but not surprised, it showed Alex his exposure. It showed Alex his exposure to the wizarding world he always expected existed. Huh. That sounds like a Weird. fake sentence. Yeah. Not really. This is a rogue AI that wrote this. You know, there's like I, I, <laughs> I made an, I made a, a, a robot. Watch a thousand, mo- watch yeah. like a thousand hours of The Bachelor, and here's the script I came up with. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. I feel like this is one of those. Yeah, it's, I read all seven Harry Potter books and just watched all the movies, on Twitter. watched Hamilton, listened to the soundtrack, and wrote this. And this yeah. is what happened. Yeah. Um, 
Swearing to the baker that he would be gone by the end of the summer, Alexander worked extremely hard for the last few months, keeping in mind his dream for success. He needed to buy robes and supplies and books, and he would, just as the letter instructed. But he still has to change the money from, like, pounds to, yeah. what, sickles? And, like, Gallons, sickles, nuts with, like, rubles? Like, yeah, that's right. Not Russia. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I screwed up, all right? So now uh, we're going to Fiddler on the Roof. No, but, like... What's the exchange rate for muggle money to wizarding money? Oh you should my ask God, JK. Is going to make the podcast. <laughs> How does that stock market work? Snip, <laughs> snip, 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 No, snip, all snip. I'm saying is he's working extremely hard all summer, and I'm hoping that it's not like when you like when you go to India and like American money is worth like a ton of like the inflation so value is ridiculous. Tweet, you can tweet JK Rowling. She'll retcon something else and explain to you the exchange rate. She's a nice lady, Dan. You can't get her mad at us. We're starting out. All right, are you ready? Okay, we're, we're coming in on the end. Dan, okay. put, put the birds away. Wait, we're coming up on the end? We what? Are. I think this is actually the end of chapter one, but I'm not sure. Oh, dear. He, uh, he needed to buy robes and supplies and books, and he would, just as the letter instructed. Because he was Alexander Hamilton, and he was going to Hogwarts. No matter how much he had to work or scavenge or labor, people from all over the world, both worlds, would come to know his name. Alexander Hamilton was never destined to a perfect life, but that didn't mean it wouldn't be extraordinary. That's where it ends. <laughs> Alexander Hamilton. Griffin. We are waiting in the wings for you. The the ghost of Ron Cherno is now haunting this room. I don't think Ron Cherno is dead. I think he's very much alive. I think he wrote that Hamilton biography very recently, yeah. but I think he is now dead and his ghost is in this room now that we have read that cursed material. I think Thank that was you, his health. So, I think yeah. that was his health. So, uh, so real quick, let's sort the characters of Hamilton into Hogwarts houses. Oh, are we... That. Emma Watson did that. That's been done. Oh. Mm. Mm, let's sort um, the uh, Hamilton characters into Godspell. So, CZtheater at gmail.com. Write <laughs> <laughs> in and let us know your Hamilton Godspells. Yeah, there we Hashtag go. Hashtag Hamilton Godspell. <laughs> um, and on that note, uh, closing thoughts. Anybody on anything we talked about today, other things that we forgot to plug, come see Midsummer on the 18th at the Bookery. Come see uh, Promises in the World's End. The End of the World. Not yep. the World's End. That's a Simon Pegg, Nick Frost movie. I did not write that. No, uh, Edgar Wright did. Come see... Why do you know that? Because I love the Cornetto trilogy. Why? Those are damn good movies. They're... <sighs> is, it, is the last one good? Is World's End good? Jake, I haven't seen it yet. Jake, don't encourage him. No. Is it good? Jake. Yes or no? The, the third act kind of goes off a cliff. Not in a bad way, but... Round up or down? Yes or no? I, like I, in a way that that Heather's fan fiction went off a cliff? No, I'll, I'll give it a... I'll give no. it a... It's a no. If you can't tell yes, it's yet, it's Yes, no. but it's not as good as Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz. But yes, it's good. Okay, fine. Thank fine. Great. Okay. Um... Finish plugging stuff. Come see Midsummer Night's Dream on the 18th at the Bookery. Come see Promises and the End of the World at Jupiter Hall on the 25th. We're hopefully you have something else. I'm going to be in those, and I'm going to straddle someone. So yes. I think everyone's straddling everyone. Yeah. Um, Tom and I are in love for the rest of the season. We figured yeah. that out today, so yeah. whatever. New Space, March 1st through the 3rd, Creva Academy. Proof, May 3rd through the 5th, Creva Academy. Next to next normal. normal. Hatbox Theater, the 16th through the 20-something of August. Summer 2019. Yes. Auditions will be announced sometime after New Space goes up. Also, if you're into uh, weird theater, come see You're in Town at Central High School at the end of March. I'm also directing that. 
Jake, oh, so we, we Jake, can plug our passion projects now. Yeah, Jake is going to be in Little Shop. Jake is also in a show at the Players Ring. Jake, what else you got to plug? Uh, yeah, come see uh, Talk Radio at the Players Ring in Portsmouth, February 15th through March 3rd. And then, of course, as I said, Little Shop Reporters, Hatbox Theater, May 31st through June 16th. Excellent. So, uh, once again, I'm Artistic Director Dan Pelletier. I'm here with Tom Lott. Thank you. Marjorie Boyer. Bye. Jacob Randlett. Hello. Uh, As we always say, thank you for listening. Support local theater and join the revolution.